This station is being brought to you via Nolsoft Shoutcast streaming technology. For more information, visit shoutcast.com. Hi, this is Karen Travis, co-author of the upcoming Legacy of the Force series, and you're listening to Star Wars On Direct. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio on the Internet. It's your home for Star Wars Fan Audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars Fan Audio community, and the only Fan Audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come by Federation Toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction guaranteed. Yes, nice one. Roger, roger. All Star Wars and Direct listeners will get a 5% discount on their purchases. Star Wars on Direct is brought to you by SimpleNet. With SimpleNet, obtain a low-cost advertising for your company or, quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Communications disruption can mean only one thing. Here they come. The cotton attack of him is pulling us in. You may fire when ready. Commence primary ignition. Welcome to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. 
and this is Rumi Pays. Of course, the producer, Danny, is right across the table from me, which you can see on the Star Wars on Direct webcam. Hello. And we have uh, Brian and a special guest today Nick. in studio. <laughs> and Nick. And Nick. <laughs> How you doing, Nick? I'm doing all right. How about you? Pretty good. Is this your first Star Wars on Direct experience? Well, last summer in Toronto. Okay, so, so second. second one. Yeah. First in studio. So, uh, what do you think of like the layout and everything? Think it's good? It's pretty sweet. It's working fine so far. Thus far, it's good. Thus far, it's good. Okay, so of course, the main subject today will be the influence of the Star Wars, well, of Star Wars on the community. And thank you, George.com, and of course, the interview with Dan Madsen, the uh, former president of the Star Wars fan club. And of course, we're going to have our regular segment like the polls, community update. And right now, we're going to go to Brian, who's going to tell you how you can contact us. You can contact us by email at studio at swendirect.com. You can reach us through the main page, which is www.swendirect.com. And you can see us on the web chat, on the webcam there. You can reach us through the chat, and you can join our newsletter. You can also add uh, the user MSN, the MSN user, swendirect.com. Direct at hotmail.com through MSN buddy list and uh, you can reach us that way as well sorry there you go thank you Brian and uh, of course I want to remind you that the uh, sound card might crash at any any point in time during the show Uh, of course hopefully we're going to touch when it's going to happen tonight (laughs) Uh, the new segment of the show tonight we should go for about an hour to an hour and a half Uh, we've been cut short (laughs) (laughs) hopefully And, uh, yeah, that's it. The producer has absolutely nothing to say tonight. Nope. Not even that he's sorry. Have a good show. Not even that he's sorry for cutting cutting our time so so short. No, but if we we add up all the shows in one month, it's more time than two shows. That's very true. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Okay, you're safe. (laughs) (laughs) You're safe. So, right now, Mr. Kit Fisto is going to tell us who's in the chat. People in the chat are Bloodcat, Chris Jans, Dark Jedi, Dix, Kasra, Iwakura, uh, Leandar, Nick, Octavius3, Nathan, and THX1139. Alright, and uh, just before we go to the polls, I have to mention the fact that uh, we got a new a newcomer in the chat right now. It's Bloodcat, so be kind to him. And he actually pulled up a really nice joke earlier, the Star Wars Galaxies. It's not Star Wars game, it's a Simberu. Simberu? Yeah, like the Sims with Beru all over the place. Uh, Which is kind of funny. (laughs) I like it. It's my twisted sense of humor, probably. (laughs) Anyhow, on to the balls. Master Fisto, trust your insight, we do. So, I have some new details on the uh, Empire at War video game released by LucasArts that's coming up. So, uh, you'll have access to a variety of ground troops, including Stormtroopers and Rebel Troopers. And you'll have hero characters, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, can be brought into, like, special battles. Um, it's going to start... RTS game? Pardon me? It's the RTS game? The RTS right. game. Okay. It's going to start uh, several years before A New Hope, and, uh, and it's going to include some of the vehicles from the uh, from episode 3 and uh, the original trilogy. 
It's going to have an innovative multiplayer campaign. It's two players battle for the galaxy at the same time, and uh, you can save games in progress, and be able to play against each other and save your progress. And uh, it's going to be called. It's, they're going to have a new game engine. It's called the uh, by the uh, Petroglyph, and it's going to be composed mostly of uh, veterans of the RTS classic titles, including Command of Conquer series. So they're building a new engine specifically for this game. Cool. So, so we'll get a bunch of uh, new games that are based on this after. And your engine means I won't be able to play <laughs> <laughs> on my computer. Hopefully it's going to be good. Hopefully it'll be good. Also, we have news that Lucas is going to be doing a prequel to the prequels. So it will be set uh, sometime in the Old Republic. Probably we've heard from different sources that it'll revolve around Yoda and how he fights the Sith. But that's a rumor. It's a rumor. I, I for don't know. For yeah. now. Who But knows it, where The explanation going. was... Uh, I sent you a link yeah. to the explanation. It's that... Uh, It was during a, a dinner or something, and Lucas was talking about something else, like ex the future of Star Wars could be could go that right. way. But it was not mentioned that it was actually a movie. It wasn't. It wasn't going to be a movie, but he's talking about it. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, he's probably just like, yeah, you know what would really fuck the Star Wars fans up is like if we do a prequel, fuck the prequel with Yoda, and that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> not really, but anyway. <laughs> Seeing Yoda, you know, all tiny and oh. all thin. <laughs> and healthy. And, and like healthy, in healthy and in shape. Big okay. muscles like Kit Fisto or something. Yep. <laughs> no, it, it would be like a Green Sonic. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> also, um, we've also got the new cover of the Ultimate Missions pack for the Miniatures game mm. that came out for uh, Revenge of the Sith. So I'm going to post up a link to Sith Clan with all the pictures. There's also a picture of the booster pack for the Universe Huge. And then I'll start uh, from 1999, U.S. and Canadian, 1999 for a booster. What? Yeah. 20 bucks for a booster? Yeah. Do they have like eight figures or is it like... They're going to be eight figures. Okay, eight. And it's going to be one huge. Okay. Per pack. Okay. So it's going to be worth it. A little bit more expensive, but, you know, come down to get more figures. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And that's it for the pulse. That's it? Okay. All right. Now it's my turn, right? Yes, it I is. I don't have a, an official you don't, you don't introduction. You don't have an official introduction no, yet. That's it. Oh, we'll work on yeah. it. So basically I will mention all the fan audio news that's, uh, that is out there. First, Requiem of the Outcasts number 20 is out, and it's featuring the theme, the team's review of Revenge of the Sith Theater going experience and more. You can go to requiemoftheoutcasts.com to download this, followed by just just been updated right uh, right now a couple of minutes ago. It's Chrono Radio number 21, Return of the Revenge. <laughs> this episode is featuring a discussion on expansions like comics, novel, etc. that already exist for Revenge of the Sith and how well or poorly the six films now add up to one cohesive whole. To do this, CR brings back a fan favorite guest, Michael Galasso. Second Razor's Edge audio 
which is Chrono Radio Second Strike and and all. Launch a brand new radio show this month called Other Voices. The concept behind the show is to provide an outlet for a fan of you community members who don't have the time or experience to put together their own shows, but still want to get their opinion out there. The show is formatted like a news magazine with four segments per show, all done by different guest commentators. These are all brought together by one guest host per show, who also rotates. Who also rotates. <coughs> it's never the same show lineup twice. So the Voices number one kicks off this quarterly series with commentators Steve Molman, Michael Galasso, Brian Patrick Storrell, and Jamie Goodwin, as along with host Ian Bowie. Finally, we have the first new, re- new release of Star Wars Timeline Gold since it's moved to Star Wars Fanworks from Star Wars with Z.com. The new edition of the Star Wars Timeline Gold, the 37th, clocks in at over... 1,200 pages, and now include Revenge of the Sith material, a primer for getting new fans into reading, the expanded universe, and more. You can all have all the detail at StarWarsFanWorks.com. The 13 TFN podcast episode is available. Uh, the third, uh, uh, the TFN podcast is back after a short illness on on the behalf of the host Eric Blight yesterday. Yesterday's news edition feature reaction to the Revenge of the Sith preview episode and more. Again, be sure to keep an eye out for the TFN podcast as we aren't posting new releases, updates for every single episode when it comes out. Finally, we have the first new release of the Star Wars time. I just mentioned that. <laughs> you can go to uh, theforce.net slash podcast for the TFN podcast. Star Wars and Beyond, I just recorded my... Revenge of the Sith review, so I'll be featuring that thing. Maybe Sebastian also probably. I should be there as well. Should be. Uh, this Revenge of the Sith review episode will be split in two. Star Wars and Beyond number 6 being released on July 1st and 6.5 on July 15th. The deadline was set for tomorrow, but for those still interested to give their uh, reviews, the deadline uh, has been pushed back, I think. So uh, go to the Galactic Senate Fan Audio Board to have all the details. Fan Audio Fan Film Jeff Rooney has called most of the Fan Audio participants for their help in getting video footage from each shows. Uh, he is planning to produce a documentary about the history of Fan Audio. If any of you uh, didn't hear the call, go to the Sours Fanward Fan Audio Forum on the Galactic Senate for all the details. Also, Jeff Rooney's Fan Film Revenge of the Suck is now up and in a larger version for download at jrdonline.com. And we finish with the people from Star Wars Fanwork. Star Wars Fanworks are getting gearing up for Con Carolina this weekend. If you're interested to join them, go to the Galactic Senate Fan Audio Board to meet up with the Fan Audio community and to www.secfi.org slash concarolina for all the detail about the convention. That's it. I stole your thunder right there. No, but go into the community update. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, of course, it's time for the community update. And as Danny mentioned, uh, Con Carolina is coming up this weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, not only can you see uh, most of the members of the fan of the community, of course, Star Wars Soundtrack won't be there because we blow all, all of our budget on Star Wars Celebration 3. <laughs> so we're not, we're not planning on going anywhere soon this year, <laughs> except maybe Toronto Trek and maybe SFX here in Canada. But um, maybe next year, we never know. So, uh, but Something that doesn't involve airplanes. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> if we can walk or roll all the way to there, it's it's a good deal. Yeah, you can roll pretty far, Sebastian. I know, <laughs> especially <laughs> me. <laughs> if you give me a good push enough. So Greg Keys will also be at Con Carolina. He's the author of uh, the Edge of the uh, Edge of Victory Geology and uh, Final Prophecy, the book that preceded the last NGO. And uh, if you're uh, if you're passing by Philadelphia, you can always stop at Wizard World because R2D2, Chewbacca. Rune Echo and Bofet will be there. Uh, they're going to be at the Pennsylvania Convention Center at Wizard World. And they got tons of great guests as well. I just like, what's on their website? Kevin Smith? That's what I'm saying. It's like, next year, man, we got to go. <laughs> and uh, what about overseas? I mean, if you're, if you're in the UK and you've never seen Darth Vader, well, now is a good time for you to start and uh, taking a look at Darth Vader because he's been uh, doing his uh, very nice little tour. Uh, he's going to be at the Athe- in Athena Southampton on June 4th and Athena Sutton on June 5th. And, of course, in Australia, there's the X-Wing Starfighter making an appearance at Angar 7 from, from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Admission is totally free. And what else do we have? Coming up this weekend, our friend Charles Ross will be in Indiana, and he's going to be doing a show in Batesville uh, at 7 p.m. at the Batesville High School, and the ticket price range from $8 to $20 in the auditorium. He's the one-man Star Wars trilogy. He's he the one-man Star Wars <laughs> trilogy. If, you, if you've never seen it, it's a really, really good show, and you have got to go see that, and my volume is really fucked up on my thingy on my head. <laughs> okay. And uh, we got some, uh, the Star Wars weekends are, uh, have, have officially started back in May. And uh, this upcoming weekend, you'll have the chance to meet up with uh, Warwick Davis and Don Bees, so Wicked and the R2-D2 operator from uh, Star Wars. And uh, next week, June 10th to 12th, you'll be able to meet up with Gerald Blake and uh, Brian Gernon, that's Runako, and um, one of the model supervisors. And if you're lucky enough to be in Hollywood, and you're lucky enough to actually score tickets to the Arclight uh, Theater, you might have a chance to win some more tickets to go see the um, Lifetime Achievement Gala for George Lucas on June, on June 9th. And uh, it's the two movies we'll be showing as part of the AFI film series, and uh, they're all sold out. So if you missed your chance of buying tickets for that... <laughs> Too late. So you have to buy more tickets for the chance to, to get tickets? No. Well, actually, the, the, the people going to the annual screening actually get a chance yeah. to get into the, uh, the life achievement George Lucas thing. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Or just be a 501st and, you know, you probably will be uh, invited to be there in costume. Exactly. <laughs> Damn 501st. <laughs> It's a good investment, you know, 2,000 bucks, and you got all the events for free. (laughs) Not quite free. No, not quite free. But almost. But almost. (laughs) It's a a tinker. It's a tinker. (laughs) Join the Legion. (laughs) And uh, that pretty much says uh, says it all about for the uh, community update. 
So on June 4th, we'll be going at the uh, concert of the uh, OVMF. Yeah. And uh, we'll not be myself, but not yourself. Yeah. Which reminds me, I gotta take notes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. This concludes the uh, the. Am I gonna say it? Community the update. community update. Danny, onto a sponsor break, please. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come by Federation Toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction. Guaranteed. Yes, Vice Roy. Roger, Roger. All Star Wars and direct listeners will get a 5% discount on their purchases. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. This is Matthew Stover, author of the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and you are listening to Star Wars On Direct. And welcome back to Star Wars On Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And uh, today is a very special show, especially for me, because I'm a longtime fan of that person. Dan Madsen, the former president of the Star Wars fan club is going to be joining us in a few moments and uh, to give you a little bit more about Dan Madsen he actually founded also not only the Star Wars official fan club but the Lord of the Ring official fan club and the Star Trek official fan club so let us give us a warm welcome to Dan Madsen here with us on the phone Yay. <laughs> Yay. hi Dan hey Sebastian how are you pretty good yourself I'm doing great thank you so you did all those things I did, yes, indeed. I started all those fan clubs. I guess I'm a, I'm a uh, well-rounded fan. I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. We need we need some well-rounded fan in this world. <laughs> so we're gonna go right into the subject of Star Wars. Uh, you were the president of the Star of the official Star Wars fan club for how many years? I was the fan of the president of the official Star Wars fan club from 1987 to uh, 2000, approximately. And uh, basically, Lucasfilm had run the fan club in-house um, up until I took it over. And then they had basically, after a couple of years or so after uh, Return of the Jedi, they had decided to close it down. And I came along, and um, they had seen what I was doing for Star Trek, for Paramount Pictures. And I flew out to the ranch and met with them and told them how much of a Star Wars fan I was. And the fan club could be started back up again. And... So uh, they agreed, and George agreed, and they uh, gave me the license, and so um, I ran the official Star Wars fan club for 13 years after that. Wow, well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, it was a labor of love, I have to tell you. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, 
I ran the fan club during uh, a lot of the lean times. There wasn't much that we could report on about Star Wars in the beginning because the Return of the Jedi had just ended a few years before, and, um, you know, George was... uh, Every time I'd interview George, I'd say, so what's happening with Star Wars? When are you going to get back to the new movies? And he'd always say, well, in a few years, and, you know, we'd always go, ah, darn. (laughs) I might interview him, I'd say, well, when are you going to do the new Star Wars movies? Well, in a few years, so it would just go on and on and on like that until finally the announcement came, and... uh, we were all excited. Oh, that was good. So what was your very first Star Wars experience? My very first. My first as an official fan club president or just me as a fan? You as a fan. Well, my very first um, experience with Star Wars was when I was 14 years old. And uh, I had uh, had my um, my cousin, Mike Odell, who was a huge Star Wars fan after seeing the movie, came over to my house and said, I have a movie, you have got to see it, we're going tonight, and he got me in the car, and he and his his fiance at the time took me to the theater and sat me down in the seat, and I'll never forget, as most people won't, the uh, Star Destroyer coming over the screen, and I was blown away, and I came home and immediately decided that every time of my allowance was going to be spent on Star Wars products. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my balls plastered with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. You couldn't see an inch of my wall. It was literally covered from wall to wall with Star Wars posters and pictures. Oh, that's great. And uh, Earliest experience. <laughs> so now you're going to have to tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself, about who's Dan Madsen, uh, what's your life, your career. How did you become involved in all those official fan clubs, including, oh. in, including Star Wars and the official uh, magazine? Sure, sure. I was, it's funny because I really was not the kind of person who joined fan clubs when I was that young. I, I did join after I went to see Star Wars when the official Star Wars fan club began uh, in-house at Lucasfilm. I did join the official um, Star Wars fan club. So it's kind of an interesting twist because what I always loved about the official Star Wars fan club was the Bantha Tracks newsletter. And it was so well done and professional. And I always really loved uh, how, how it was, and I, was, I loved the fact you could buy some product through it, and I ordered the pictures and the movie posters and such that they offered through Bantha Tracks. So years later, after Star Wars had uh, calmed down a little bit and the first Star Trek movie came out, I'd also been at, at the same time a, quite a large Star Trek fan, and I decided I thought I wanted to start a, a fan club for Star Trek that had the kind of professionalism that the Star Wars fan club had being run by Lucasfilm, because up to that point, it was very amateurish. It was just local clubs around the country that were putting out kind of Xerox newsletters and things. Yeah. And uh, so I got a job in a print shop, and I learned how to make the newsletter look professional, and uh, I got a call out of the blue from Paramount Pictures who said that, uh, do you realize you're doing this without a license? And and I said, no, I'm just a fan loving to do this. And so they said, well, you have the right amount of professionalism mixed with the right amount of fanaticism. <laughs> <laughs> so they called me and they flew me out to the studio and uh, I sat with big wigs all around the table and I couldn't believe I was there, you know, little me standing there with all of these big Paramount executives. And they took me over to Gene Roddenberry's office, who apparently had put a good word in for me and and said that he thought I was the guy to do the official fan club, and 
So all in all, it came about. I got the license to do that, and uh, then um, it was years later that uh, came to the attention of Lucasfilm, and uh, I told part of that story and how I flew out there and met with George and met with uh, Howard Rothman, the head of Lucasfilm Licensing, and and had a nice meeting, and uh, that got off the ground, and we started off just covering. It was called initially the Lucasfilm Fan Club because Star Wars was really kind of in hibernation. Yeah. There really wasn't, no one at Lucasfilm could really foresee when George was ever going to get back to doing new Star Wars movies. He was kind of vague about it, so a lot of people were like, well, you know, we're not sure he's ever going to get back to him. But we were going to cover other things. So we covered uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and uh, Maniac Manson, the TV series they did for a while, and Tucker, the, the car movie, and a lot of different Lucasfilm projects to kind of carry us along until, and we'd throw in Star Wars here, left and right, you know, trying to keep it still Star Wars related in some way. Um, so I did that for years and years and years, uh, you know, 13 years, and uh, my business started building, and uh, of course when the special editions came out, that really shot the fan club up, and during my tenure, we had the largest membership of the Star Wars fan club has ever had. We peaked out at about 155,000 members, and that was in 1998, just prior to um, the year before Episode One came out. And um, I don't—I know it's never gotten back up to that level again, but it's, it was an exciting time to run the fan club prior to, right after the special editions and right prior to Episode One was probably the best time because everybody was pumped after seeing the special editions of the original movies. And we're just in the utmost anticipation waiting for what George had in store for the new Star Wars movies. And so it was a very... Um, Ectic time. Hell, it, it, without question. <laughs> so that we did that, and then uh, later on uh, uh, sold my business to uh, Decipher back in uh, 2001. And, um, uh, and together we went and... Uh, and locked down the license for the Lord of the Rings and um, did the Lord of the Rings official fan club for three years. So, And probably the biggest perks that I've gotten as a result of all those things is getting getting to meet all the people involved with these movies and TV shows and visiting sets and and, uh, and getting to be a cameo in Star Wars and all of those <laughs> things. That's, that's the perks that came along with the job. Okay. And... Um... You've been, you, you just mentioned you've been like at Paramount, you've been at uh, New Line for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, do you, what are the differences between all these three companies, Lucasfilm, Paramount, and New Line, in terms of, treat, uh, of treating the fans? Well, they all, they, interesting enough, and this isn't, uh, you know, I'm not being a cheerleader here, but they all really do care about the fans. And it's funny because as the years have gone by, they've all come to appreciate the fans even more. In the early days, they kind of took all of them, I think, took the fans for granted. Other than and then, uh, Peter Jackson and his group, they've always, from the very beginning, valued the fans, and they, they were always concerned to make sure that the fans were taken care of. So I have to say they, they from day one, were that way. But both Lucasfilm and Paramount took them a while to really understand the fans and to appreciate them. Paramount, of course, is a big corporation, so it's more... Uh, not that they don't care about the fans, but they were more, um, each division was kind of their own individual company, and sometimes that division didn't talk to that division to know what each one was doing, and 
sometimes that created some problems. Whereas um, Lucasfilm was a smaller company who all answered directly to George. So George had much more of a hand on what was happening with um, Star Wars from every aspect. I mean, he was involved in the merchandising of, of it, whereas Gene Roddenberry had sold the Star Trek franchise years and years ago, and really he was just more involved with the TV series and movies to some extent. Um, but the other elements of the Star Trek franchise he didn't have his finger in. Um, but George was actively involved in all of that to a large extent. So I would just say there was a more hands-on at Lucasfilm. Um, it took each of them years to start to really appreciate the fans, and um, that's that's kind of the way I would uh, describe um, all three of them. And without going like too much into earning your professionalism, which of those of those three would be your favorite one? Well, they all have elements that would be my favorite. Um, you know, I liked, I loved. One of the perks, again, of being involved with George Lucas was uh, going to Skywalker Ranch. And I had been there so many times I, I can't even count it, but that was probably one of the real perks of the job because Skywalker Ranch is really an amazing place. I mean, not only is it in this little valley that's just beautiful, deer are walking along the trails where the employees are walking back and forth between the buildings, but it's just landscape gorgeous. The buildings are all done in this. And, you know, beautiful Victorian style. You walk inside the main house, especially where George's office is, um, and there's original works of art by Maxfield Parrish and uh, other great artists all over the walls. There's Tiffany lamps, real Tiffany lamps, not replicas, <laughs> um, mahogany wood paneling, and it's just a very, very beautiful place to um, to visit. So uh, that's... That's one of the things I love about George is that his attention to quality. He really has an eye for quality. And uh, that's one of the things that I think is one of my favorites about Star Wars is that he has that attention to that and his um, and to detail. You know, he's, he's watched in the new movies to ensure that he covers himself from the old movies. Whereas in Star Trek, they have different people making the shows, so sometimes some of the continuity gets stepped on. Um, But to be honest, I'll really be honest with you. I think probably my favorite is Lord of the Rings. And that is the reason I say that is because the people were so nice and so welcoming. And New Zealand is such a beautiful country <laughs> that it, to go down there and see all of that and be in that experience, it was really an amazing time. So at the risk of offending Star Wars and Star Trek fans, I would have to say that if I had to pick a favorite, it'd be Lord of the Rings. But each one of them has something that I really love. We are Lord of the Ring fans also. That's yeah. it. We're, we're also Lord of the Ring fans, so it's it's yeah. fine by us. Okay, good. Then I'm not I'm not offending anybody if you're all Lord of the Ring fans. Uh, a little earlier, you mentioned your cameo into uh, the Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. How was that experience like? Well, that was probably the coolest thing I've been able to do in all of this stuff that I've been doing since I was 18 years old. I am... Um, Getting to have a cameo in, in Star Wars was pretty amazing. And I, I have to admit, you know, when I I was invited over to the set primarily to cover the, the movie for the magazine, Star Wars Insider. So I was coming over to interview everybody and have a backlog of interviews that we could use throughout the year then for the thing. And at the same time, I was told, how would you like to have a cameo in the movie? And I said, well, 
course. So, you know, I said, well, no, I don't really think so. <laughs> That's a... So they said, I said, great, you know, that would be really cool. But I was initially I was just going to be an extra, some guy in the background nobody ever saw. But they still asked for all my measurements, so I had to send over all my measurements to them in London prior to my coming. So when I got over there, they decided to take me in and, and, and measure me again because they wanted to have the, um, the, the seamstresses and such actually measure my body size. So I went in and got measured, and they put me in a Nabooian costume of some sort, this green thing. I looked like an elf, to be honest. <laughs> and Because uh, I'm only four foot two, so, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I looked like an elf. But um, And so then they put me out there into the... Um, out there into the, uh, the the complex where they were filming the whole thing, and uh, I got to know the assistant director, and I Chris something now I can't recall his name, but at any rate, as they were doing the final scene there with uh, the parade scene, uh, he came over. Apparently, I think Rick McCallum had something to do with it, and said we really need somebody to come out and grab the reins of Jar Jar's Kadu. You know, we've got this this soldier, this this uh, Nabooian soldier that's going to come out, but we really want somebody else. And he says, how would you like to do it? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then Rick McCallum walked over and smiled and shook my hand. His nice costume. So I figured he had something to do with it. Um, so I went out there and I was doing my thing. And apparently this, this that whole scene, the, the weather kept changing from day to day. It was cloudy one day and then it was sunny the next. And so I ended up being over there for three weeks. And I had to stay an extra week because they were going to have to refilm because the sky was not proper, so they had to uh, ask me to stay an extra week so they could get, you know, everything, the continuity would be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to stay on Lucasfilm for an, uh, an extra week in London, which was kind of cool. I was going to say, I'm sure that was a really big hassle for oh, you. Oh, yeah, big hassle, exactly. <laughs> and um, so that was really cool, but I, I really recall as I was standing, at, you know, you, I was standing out there in the middle of the thing, and of course there's nothing... There's not, none of no, Jar Jar Kadoos or none of those Gungans or anything are out there. It's just guys in white overalls that are standing in place to where those are going to be. But as I, you know, as I'm standing out in the middle of this platform, all by myself out there, I look to the right, and there's George Lucas behind the camera, and he's kind of telling me, "Move to the left," you know, "Move to the right," and so I'm kind of taking his direction. And then I turn to the left, and up the stairs there is the entire, almost the entire cast of Star Wars Episode One minus Liam Neeson, but he was there. He was just standing on the sidelines watching. And I remember thinking at that moment, I thought, geez, I, that 14-year-old kid who was watching the movie, and I thought, I cannot believe I'm really here. <laughs> standing out here in the middle of this scene, looking up at the cast, and over there is George Lucas directing me and telling me what to do, and I'm in the new Star Wars movie. And it was a pretty amazing moment. I, can't, I, I doubt I'll have any moments in my life quite as cool as that. <laughs> but I'm sure you've had clothes because a few months later, back in 1999, you were in charge of organizing the first ever Star Wars celebration. It was held in Denver, Colorado, and it it's now known as the Star the, the Star Wars Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is known as the Star Wars Woodstock. That's exactly right. And you know what? As time goes by and people start to forget what a pain in the rear end that rain was all, every day, they, they really start to remember the camaraderie they had and, and huddling under the tents. And it's become a more fond memory because it was kind of a, uh, you know, everybody had to pool together and kind of uh, enjoy it. And it was the very first one 
So that was a monumental task. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. How, how did it actually came to life? What was the first idea to, for the event itself? Well, the funny thing is, is that, you know, what people don't know is that we had a very limited amount of time to put that event on. We got a call from Lucasfilm six months about They had, they had talked to us about it a year earlier. Steve Sansweet had really brought it to my attention and said, you know, we're thinking about this. And I was very encouraging and said, oh, wouldn't that be great, you know. And so they just kind of let it rest for a while. And I, he and I would talk from time to time, and I would say, so, are you, you know, do you want to do one? Do you want us to be involved? And, and he would say, well, you know, they're still thinking about it, talking about it, you know. And so it was six months prior to the event when they finally gave us the green light. But we had to scramble. I mean, and, and this is, they, they put it all in our lap. They said basically they wanted the Star Wars Fan Club to do it. <laughs> we had never had any experience putting on events. I'd never done one in my life. And not only that, but I had a company to run who was putting out the Star Wars Insider magazine. We were doing Star Wars Kids, which was our kids magazine that ran for a while. Um, we were doing the Star Trek Communicator magazine. We were um, um, running the official online store for Lucasfilm that was connected to StarWars.com. Um, and uh, we were doing all of this, uh, you know, this whole business. And we had about 140 employees at that time. So we had to scramble because with six months' notice, most of the um, major convention complexes were booked already. So we were, we were out to lunch. There was just no way we were going to get in one of the big complexes in Denver, and I didn't want to do it in another city because I really felt we needed to do it here and have a hands-on on it, that if we were there, we could really manage it better. So um, we found the Wings Over the Rockies uh, Air and Space Museum. We managed to work it out on the weekend that Lucasfilm wanted to do it, but we realized there wasn't enough space in just the huge hangar. We're going to have to build literally villages of these, they're not tents, they're more like um, Uh, building, tent buildings is what they were. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had to build those out on the property. And I kept tell I kept praying and praying that there would be good weather because we had a lot of events planned for outdoors. Um, and we had a collecting panel and such that were that was going to be held outdoors. And we're going to have costume characters walking between the building and the tents and, and greeting people outside. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it, the weekend that we held the event, It was literally, and I'm not exaggerating, the worst rain in a century. <laughs> Every day other than Sunday afternoon, it was nonstop pouring rain. We'd never seen anything like it in Denver, and I just thought I cannot believe our luck that it would happen on the very weekend we're trying to do this event. As it turns out, as Rick McCallum told me about three, four months after the event, he said, you know, he was glad it rained because he said it made it a special event. He said it made camaraderie amongst the people. He said it'll be the one that people will remember for years to come. And I'm starting to find that to be true. We're seeing a lot of people, I still get emails quite often from people saying what a fond memory they had of the event. And um, so we had a lot of obstacles ahead of us. And then two weeks prior to the event, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Columbine shootings oh, yeah. um, took place here in Denver. And there was such a somber mood over that tragedy, and especially here in Denver, that George and some of the other heads of Lucasfilm made the decision that the, the event should be canceled. They thought it was just too too recent of a thing to do within two weeks of the uh, of that tragedy. And 
we thought different. We thought the city of Denver needs something, a perk, something to help um, cheer up spirits yeah. up. We thought if you know if yeah. we cancel the event, then these two, you know, terrible people that 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 committed this tragedy would have won again. They would have canceled the event, and all the Star Wars fans who had already made their plans, bought their tickets. We had like uh, 20,000 people at that point who had already purchased tickets who were coming. And I said, you know, that's going to be a tragedy of another level, too. Um, so we got on the phone. Anthony Daniels was already in town. He came two weeks early to work with me on the event. And he was in my office, and he and I spent an entire two days, literally, on the phone with several, Jim Ward and many of the others uh, at Lucasfilm, going back and forth on why we should keep the event on it's, we must have spent literally two days. We even got to the mayor of Denver, and he wrote a letter to George personally saying that he felt the city of Denver needed this, that it would be a shot in the arm, it would be a, a positive thing for the city of Denver. Um, and ultimately, after two days of going back and forth, Anthony and I convinced them that the event should remain and stay on. And it did happen, and afterwards, they have all they all sent me letters of gratitude saying they were glad that they, that we didn't cancel the event, that it was a good thing, that it was a shot in the arm. And in the meantime, we raised money. Uh, we had a, a fund that we um, Star Wars fans contributed to at the event. We had a moment of silence at the beginning of the event, but we raised uh, $15,000 Wow! for the um, Columbine Fund. And uh, so it was a good thing all around. Very good thing all around. <laughs> yeah, but that was a monumental task, I have to say. We had uh, over 30,000 people who ultimately attended the event. Um, and uh, even regard, regardless of the rain, we still had a lot of people who enjoyed themselves. And um, like I say, with only six months' notice and uh, never doing an event before, um, you know, we were just glad that we, able, we were able to uh, actually make it happen. And then with two weeks prior to it, the, the Columbine tragedy, it was amazing that the thing actually came off. But it did, and now... Hopefully it's a fond memory for a lot of people. I have even met some lifelong friends that came over to the event um, just specifically for that. I just had a friend visit me from Australia who six years ago came to Denver for the Star Wars celebration. He and I have remained in contact over the six years, and he'll be a lifelong friend, and I met him at that event, and I've heard about a lot of other people who have done the same. Cool. That's great. Um the, uh, I can tell you that one of the greatest regrets I have of being part of the Star Wars fandom is that back in 1999, I couldn't afford to actually go to Denver for Celebration 1. Sure. And it's, it's one of the things I've heard about, and I've been wishing I've been there. I, I, I would have been there for all these years. So well, it was a neat event, and it was, you know, one of the things people say is that it was the, it was the, of all three events, it was the one that was truly fan-run, and it really was because while we had Lucasfilm working together with us, it, it, they they were kind of on the outside looking in. They were approving everything. We worked with them um, to determine what artifacts from the Lucasfilm archives would be sent out. We had to, you know, um, purchase display cases and such in advance to ensure that <clears throat> all of the um, the models and the props and the costumes would be properly taken care of, um, and so, uh, and had armed guards, you know, um, um, watching over that stuff 24 hours a day. Um, but um, the other events, Celebration 2 and 3, 
um, were really more run by Lucasfilm and 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 uh, and um, GenCon and such, and they were really more corporations that were running them. Whereas us, with our first one, it was really a fan-run event, and you know there were some things about it that were good that it was a fan run and some things that were bad that was fan run. But it will always be remembered as the first of the celebrations. And um, for that, I think, you know, people will have a fond memory of it. Mm. I I can tell you, I'll never forget about Star Wars Celebration 1, and I didn't even attend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. If you, if you weren't even there and you remember it, then, you know, we've, we I guess we succeeded in something. Oh, yes, you did. Now, uh... To move on to the interview, a couple of months ago, you founded a website, a website called thankyougeorge.com. That's right. Now, what exactly is the concept behind a website? What can we find on Thank You, George? And what sparked the idea of Well, thankyougeorge.com is basically uh, an idea that was inspired by fans who wanted to um, find a way to pay tribute to George for 28 years of, of you know, enjoying these Star Wars movies. A lot of people, one of the things that I've heard over the years, many, many, many times, and you'll see it in the letters that have been written on the website, is how much Star Wars has influenced people's lives. You know, what good it's done for people, how it's bonded them, it's given them hope, it's given them inspiration, and it's given them something to to um, enjoy for 28 years. And it was kind of addressed that, you know, isn't there a way that fans can pay tribute to George and that's where the, the, the impetus of the, of the website came, is that we thought it would be a great way to, after 28 years and the final movie now being released, this was a way for fans not only to pay tribute to George and thank him personally, um, because I've had a lot of fans say, geez, you know, you're lucky. You've actually gotten to meet George and actually said thank you to him in person. And, and I said, yeah, you know, that's a real honor. But, you know, they were saying... Wouldn't it be cool if there was some way that fans could actually do that in a different sort of way? And that's another reason that the website was developed. But it's also beyond just having a place to sign the letter and pay tribute to George. And you know, we're gonna after it's all said and done, we're gonna um, bind this up in a beautiful book and give George this as a, as a tribute to him. But it's also a way for Star Wars fans to. Um, um, find some inspiration and to um, get together and talk about their passion um, so they can write letters about how Star Wars has influenced their life or whatever aspect of Star Wars has really motivated them. It's a place where they can um, place their photos and show themselves in their costumes or entertain other fans through that. Um, and have message boards on there eventually so fans can get on and talk about how Star Wars has influenced their life and any new things about Star Wars that might um, inspire them to, to uh, talk about so it's really a place for fans to find inspiration while at the same time being able to thank George for 28 years. of. You know. There's even a, a line party, you know, you can meet up with other fans, right? That's exactly right. That's another way. We, one of the things we also intended for the website was a way for fans to communicate and connect with one another so that they could um, reach one another and then find, um, find ways to... Um, enjoy their, their passion together. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got a lot of um, things that can, um, can help fans enjoy Star Wars even more. Great. Um, do you have any comments on the last Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith, 
and any of the prequels and the exec- existing gap between fans of both trilogy? Well, first off, I loved Episode 3. I think it's the best of all the prequels. Um, and uh, it, it has all the right elements that are, are, are needed in this final movie. It ties, uh, you know, A New Hope and um, the, re- the rest of the prequels together very nicely. It's got some moving moments in it. It's got... You know, the moment that everybody has been waiting for, and that is Anakin turning into Darth Vader, and I thought George did it extremely well. So I, I think Episode 3 is great. And my son, who's almost 14, that almost the exact same age I was when I first was introduced to Star Wars, and he has loved Star Wars since the prequels <clears throat> began, but even earlier. I mean, he's loved the original films. But one of the things that's very interesting is that I see his generation, the prequels are kind of their movies, and so... For me, I'm still an old an old timer. I'm I'm still partial to the original films. I still think they're the best, and I watch those. And there's a memory for me in it, growing up and in loving those films. And I still prefer them over the prequels. But my son, he prefers the prequels. And his cousin, uh, who's 11, he is the same way. He prefers the prequels to the original films. So I'm seeing that there's generations. Now, my generation loves the original movies because I grew up with them. But their generation has grown, grown up with the prequels, and they seem to be preferring those. So, you know, it's, George has, has spanned the generations here. He's made movies that dads and granddads love, but also now that, that sons and daughters um, can love as well. It, there is a difference because I do see fans who love the original films and fans who love the prequels. And, it, I, you know, I know that George intends for them to be one giant story so that you start with The Phantom Menace and work your way all the way through to Return of the Jedi. And it is one whole story. It's the Skywalker story. But I, I still, for me, I still think the originals... I'm not sure I would sit... I, I would prefer for the rest of my life sitting through all six. I might start with Episode 3 and work my way to Episode 6. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It doesn't mean that I hate episode one and two. It's just that I prefer the third movie to the sixth movie. Well, I'm actually going to ask you a question from a fan right here, Dick's Flatline. Uh, he's asking us, with all the critique of the two first Star Wars prequel movies, do you feel episode three redeemed the trilogy, or did you like all the prequel movies? I think episode three absolutely redeemed the prequel trilogy. I think that there were a lot of fans who were starting to become a bit cynical about um, Star Wars movies after Episode 1 and 2, and I know that the general public were kind of ho-hum, you know, we're, we didn't care for 1 and 2, so, uh, you know, who really cares now? But I think Episode 3 has gotten such amazing buzz, and it's gotten such great reviews, and the fact that everyone knows that this is the movie that has Darth Vader um, I think it's attracted a lot of people to it, and thank God it really is a good movie because now people go to see it and they go, wow, you know, that was really good, and it really ties you in now to the original movies, and uh, you start to understand, you know, how Anakin turned to the dark side and how he became Darth Vader and how everybody got to where they are at the beginning of A New Hope. So it's, I think it has redeemed the whole franchise, and that's a good thing. So I'm glad that George made this movie. And, you know, I, I, I really think I've heard from other people, too, that they start with Episode 3 and work their way onward, you know? 
Well, most def- I would prefer they watch episode one because then my cameo gets seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> You're famous for 15 seconds and then it's over. <laughs> and uh, well, you've probably heard the announcement from George himself about the two Star Wars TV series that we'll hear in a couple of years. Right. Uh, what are your expectations about these series, and what do you think will be the success of those shows compared to other franchises like Star Trek? Well, it's going to be interesting. You know, the funny thing is is that I thought these two franchises, Star Wars and Star Trek, are kind of changing places as we move in, you know, beyond 2005 now because Star Trek as a TV series is really kind of over now. It's taking a break. I think it'll be back someday, but it's kind of taking a break. It's a it's a, it's resting right now. However, there is a new Star Trek movie that is in development. And they're talking about it being bigger and better and it's going to have an all new cast, all new crew. It's going to be more hip and more um, youth-oriented, so I have a feeling that the next Star Trek movie is going to reach a broader audience. And then you got on Star Wars' side, you got the movies kind of now ending, and George now announcing he's going to do a Star Wars TV series, so Star Trek is going off to the movie theaters, and Star Wars is coming to the TV screens. So they're just kind of changing places here. But it'll, it remains to be seen whether Star Wars will work on the small screen as well as it did on the big screen. Part of what makes Star Wars great is seeing these amazing effects and this spectacle on these giant screens, and that's what makes Star Wars partially such a, a neat thing to watch. So it's going to have to be more story-oriented and more character-oriented on TV, less um, you know, mind-blowing effects and more close-ups and more characterization and such. And I'm not saying they can't do that, because they certainly can, um, but... Um, It's going to be a different kind of Star Wars than what you're used to seeing in the movies. Um, and I, I think it's going to be great. I've heard all kinds of rumors about what it's going to be about, everything from Boba Fett to other things. But um, I think it's – I'm actually excited about it, and I think it keeps the franchise alive. It'll add new characters and new development to the storylines we already know. Um, and maybe you'll see a, a main character pop up from time to time. The animated series I'm not as excited about because we've already had the Clone Wars and such, so um, that's kind of not really spiking my interest. The live-action thing has really spiked my interest, and I'm going to be very anxious to see what they do. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Everybody will buy uh, high-definition television for, for that show. I, I, was, <laughs> I was about to say that it's a good thing that we're all getting 40-inches TV now. <laughs> That's exactly right, because everybody's going to, well, yeah, I guess you're right. You can get a big screen TV and watch it on there, you know? It's, 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 it's like, you know, a miniature movie theater for you. We're, we're going to have mid-screen experience now. There you go. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Um, going back to thankyougeorge.com, do you have any other project in mind to follow up with that? Not at the moment. We're really just trying. I mean, we're going to add new things to thankyougeorge.com that are going to um, um, add some cool elements to it, but... Our goal is really just to, to, to really spread the word about it, get as many signatures as we can, um, and then, um, and you know, it's really not, um, it's not designed to be a moneymaker of any sort. It's just a nice tribute that we felt, you know, George, and we thought George um, was deserving of, and it's a place for fans to share their, their passion and their interest about Star Wars. So that's really the project that, um, that I'm, I'm just involved with now when it comes to Star Wars. I am involved in other projects, another, a new movie magazine called Flick, which is being developed that uh, is going to be distributed through theaters. Our first issue just 
went through to theaters for Star Wars and has it's a whole Star Wars issue. And then there's some other projects that I can't talk about quite yet that I'm involved with, but they're non-Star Wars at the moment. So thank you, George.com is really my way to, to, to enter back into the Star Wars universe, and it's been fun to, to um, reconnect with Star Wars fans and Star Wars folks at Lucasfilm um, as this final movie comes out. All right. And um, I lost my questions here. <laughs> um, we're we're going to have to ask you now uh, because, well, actually, we're going to have to jump to a fan question because uh-huh. he's been bugging us with that for a while now. <laughs> Dart Octavius uh, has been wondering who actually came up with the awesome line in the banner made, he made it cool to kiss your sister. <laughs> who came up with that? You know, I don't recall who exactly came up, but it was one of the extremely creative people um, that uh, has been involved with us in developing this whole website. You know, I don't even remember who it was, to be honest. It was one of our uh, one of our web developer guys, and uh, at the risk of, of, of leaving somebody out, I can't exactly tell you, but... It, it was one of our creative people. They came up with all of those things. <laughs> nice. They all laughed the minute we heard about them. Okay. I've I've been researching for the past 30 seconds, uh, but there's there's this person working at StarWars.com right now, and she mentioned that the uh, the the, um, the website, thank you, George, turned out to be just a big store. How do you react to that kind of? Uh, well, I wish, you know, if it's a big store, we should be making a lot of money. There isn't much money being made off of it. We've spent more money than uh, we've ever made. So it's not it's not a big store. It's, uh, it's, it's really just a way for us to cover our costs. If, you know, there's T-shirts that you can buy that say uh, thank you, George, on them, but that's really just a way to, to cover the costs on the website. So we've, we've definitely not made money off the thing, and it was never designed to be a money maker, it was always designed with purely just uh, you know a way to thank George. So, um, you know, people can think what they want, but that is definitely not uh, what it was designed to be. Yeah, the uh, we've we've certainly not made money off the site. Yeah. The the actual comment was since this is a big ad for a store, not really a big thank you. Which I'm going to tell that person I'm really saddened that you made that comment because. Just like Dan mentioned, it's really not asked to be a big store. So. No, it's not. In fact, you know, there's no, there isn't some big thing on the front page that says, you know, go to the store first. You know, buy lots of Star Wars products. <laughs> I mean, there isn't anything like that. It's, it's, um, it, you know, it always hurts because there's always critics in everything you do. I mean, there's, that's one of the things I would say about fandom in general today that I've noticed on the, especially on the internet. And it happens in both the Star Trek and Star Wars world. Is that there's a lot of cynicism. Everybody thinks the worst of everybody, and there's a lot of criticism and complaints about, you know, people not doing this right, or you know, they're screwing up the Star Trek episodes, and Rick Berman should be, you know, cast into hell, and and George Lucas has ruined the Star Wars franchise now by making these new prequels, and and on and on and on. And that's one of the sad things that disturbs me is that I see a lot of negativism in fandom, and I hope that that starts to change, that it may be a reflection of our world today, that there is more cynicism and, and darkness in the world, so people kind of reflect that, and even in their thoughts and comments, but, you know, everybody's always quick to think the worst of everybody, everybody thinks, you know, 
you're up to no good or you're doing something that's uh that's not exactly uh, uh legit board. but it's you know that's just the world we live in so you just let the criticism bounce off you i guess that's the best thing to do Indeed. so you've been, you've actually been into the star wars fan club you actually founded thankyougeorge.com that's two very big things, but we got to ask you. One? You've been in Celebration 1, which is actually part of Fan Club to me. But yes, indeed. And then I founded the Star Wars Insider, too, the yeah. magazine. So how did George Lucas influence your life other than those four things? <laughs> uh, he, enjoy- he influenced my life enormously, uh, uh, really enormously. You know, I'm, I'm a little person, and I <clears throat> only stand four foot two inches tall even today. So growing up, I had, you know, I, like a lot of kids, when you're different, you get made fun of and... And, you know, things sometimes are not easy for people who aren't, you know, quote, normal. Um, And when Star Wars came around, I was in a very um, important stage of my life. I was going from from junior high school into high school, and and, uh, I was looking for something that could give me inspiration. And um, Star Wars came along, and it really gave me something to become interested in, to focus my attention on. Uh, it, it had quality written all over it. It inspired my interest to get involved in, in publishing and writing and fan clubs and, and movie making and the whole that whole world. And I was introduced to some of my best friends as a result of my interest in Star Wars. Um, and as an adult, um, actually getting to meet and know George and see the world that he's created around him um, inspired me because of the man's attention to quality. Um, and um, so I, you know, I've been enormously influenced by it, and I've passed that that kind of um, uh, optimism and, and enjoyment of the Star Wars world to my son, who's now, you know, it's provided him with so many hours of enjoyment. And uh, so it's it's important. And I've said in a couple of places that one of the things that I really found inspiration in for me personally was in the character Yoda, because here was a here was a little guy two foot tall who was the most powerful Jedi of all. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget his line in Empire Strikes Back where he looked at Luke and said, you know, judge me by my size, do you? You know, and, and it you know, brought home that, you know, um, you know, we shouldn't always look outside. We need to look within to perhaps find the strength and, and the power. And Yoda was a prime example of, you know, the power can come from inside. And that inspired me greatly. Uh, as a little person, it made me realize that... Um, that, yeah, you know, there is something inside of me that perhaps uh, has power and, and uh, could warrant um, attention. And I, I, it gave me courage to go out into the world. And that sounds kind of melodramatic, but that's really the truth. Cool. <laughs> Very nice story. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. Uh, I'm going to go to the fan questions now. Sure. Uh, Dix again for, uh, asks... Uh, being a fan of both Lord, both Lord of the Rings and Star Wars movies, do you, do you feel the use of effect was more appropriate in Lord of the Rings as a storytelling device rather than a pure eye candy? Yes, definitely. I think Lord of the Rings was an amazing series of movies. I think the storytelling was there. I think they were faithful to Tolkien's books. Um, I think the characterizations were great. The acting was great. Um, and they used they, – they had a nice – mix of um, CG and real sets and real um, real um, visual effects so that it didn't look too phony. It, you couldn't tell 
what was a real set and what was CG and what was a real character and what was a CG character. And um, I, I, I really do think that Lord of the Rings uh, is one of the best, is, is a classic series of movies that had um, an amazing way of, of telling a story uh, that was both modernized to a general movie-going audience, but yet remained faithful to Tolkien's original themes. And I think a hundred years from now, people will still be watching those movies, just as they will Star Wars, mm-hmm. and realizing, you know, wanting to know more about how it was made, and these characters, and these actors, and these producers and directors are going to become, you know, like legends because they're in, they've made something that's timeless. That's right. Um, again, with uh, with Dix, Dix got like tons of questions tonight. <laughs> uh, the inquiring minds. And it's actually it's actually a question that I. I've been wondering about for the past couple of years now. Um, the fan club is now run by a very nice uh, gal called Lisa Stevens. She's a great person. Actually, yes, that's right. Lisa Stevens is now actually, the fan club is now in-house at Lucasfilm. Yeah. Lisa Stevens remains president, but it's actually being run out of Lucasfilm now. Yeah. So the question that comes to Dix and me, uh, how and why did you lose the fan club? between brackets. Absolutely. I'm happy to tell you that. <laughs> um, bottom line is, is that uh, after episode one, um, we, uh, as many people did, got into an enormous amount of, um, of debt from Jar Jar action figures. <laughs> and, uh, we had an enormous amount of money that hadn't been invested into all of that that we were selling. Um, so I was looking for an investor to help help us get out of that. At the same time, I had decided that it might be time to move on to some other things. There was a lot of stress in the business at that time. And so um, Wizards of the Coast came. Lucasfilm put myself and Wizards of the Coast together. They said, you know, this might be a nice marriage here. Dan, what you've told us your goals are and what Wizards of the Coast has told us their goals are, might you guys don't sound like you're too far off. So uh, I flew up there, and we had many, many meetings, and then we flew out to the ranch and had many, many meetings, and Wizards and I came to an arrangement and a deal, and we presented it to Lucasfilm, and they liked the idea. And so we struck a deal and turned the fan club over to Wizards of the Coast. It allowed me to move on with Star Trek Club and still keep it separate. And I really wanted to pursue other things like Lord of the Rings, um, because I really, that was kind of an interest of mine at that time. So it gave me that opportunity, and I remained on as a consultant with Wizards of the Coast for uh, a year and a half and um, continued to consult with them on the Star Wars fan club. And uh, then everything kind of went separate or separate ways, and I've remained good friends with uh, all the folks at Lucasfilm, and uh, Lisa is a good friend, and uh, Steve Sansweet I talk to all the time. and So it's um, it worked out in the end uh, good for all of us. Okay. Um I have to wonder, Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Ring, when are you going to come up with the World Science Fiction Fan Club? <laughs> All kinds of... It'd be interesting to see what's next. You know, Chronicles of Narnia is sounding like a very interesting project. It does look nice. It really does. And it has kind of, you know, it could be the mix between Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. So um, I'm looking very forward to that project. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It's kind of funny because... I've read many articles now talking about, you know, well, where is fandom going now, now that Star Trek has 
is essentially kind of over for the time being. And Star Wars is the same way. You know, George has now made the last movie, and so they've wondered, you know, well, what's the next thing that's going to take their place, or what's the future hold for those two big franchises? And I don't know. You know, the future's wide open at the moment. I'm, I'm, I do have some projects that I said I, I, I can't talk about at the moment, but are very exciting. I'm looking forward to, and um, uh, I always have my eyes open, and I'm never. I've never closed any doors with Star Trek or Star Wars, so I'm hoping that maybe our paths will cross again in a more official way than they are now. All right. And uh, one last question before we go on. Uh, it's, it's actually from the producer, but it's a very good question. Is there any chance that you're going to be attending Celebration 4 in 2007? I think there's an extremely good chance I'm going to be attending Celebration 4 in 2007. I think it would be nice, and uh, I have suggested to them that Maybe it would be nice in 2007 to do a retro, a small retrospective of the very first celebration and the trials and tribulations, uh, along with some images from it, and give people kind of a trip down memory lane, uh, you know, of uh, of that um, experience, and uh, and you know, let the newcomers who are just have experienced the second, third, or fourth maybe for the first time, you know, what it was like to be in old-timer at Star Wars Woodstock. <laughs> so, so we can expect that you're going to... like gonna... those old hippies, you know, <laughs> shirts, you know, waving at, at, at Anthony Daniels on stage, you know, like the old Woodstock. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm proposing that, and we'll see. So if that happens, that might be my contribution, is to be there and be a part of some sort of retrospective on the very first celebration. So we can expect to see you come in into a big 18-wheeler full of mud from Denver? Absolutely. I'm bringing a vial. I'm bringing vials. Here you go. Just for your critic who thinks I'm making money all the time, I'm going to bring little vials of mud and say these are original mud from the first celebration. $30 a piece. Actually, $29.95. Save me one. The ground of Star Wars Celebration 1. I years now, you know. I would stand in line for 14 hours to get one of these. There you go. Exactly. There's another money-making scheme. Oh, that is so good. Okay. Well, now's the time to part, but just before we do so, uh, we're going to ask you to do the Star Wars Sound Direct Liner like we ask all of our guests. Absolutely. So I'm going to let you just go on when you're ready. And, and, and what am I saying? I'm saying, hi, this is Dan Matson, and you're listening to Star Wars Han Direct. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can mention founder of uh, thankyougeorge.com or uh, okay, former I'll president. Okay. All right, well, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is Dan Matson, and uh, with, let me start over. No problem. Hi, this is Dan Matson with thankyougeorge.com and the past president of the official Star Wars fan club, and you are listening to Star Wars Han Direct. All right. Good. We're going to have just a second take to be on the safe side. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Hi, this is Dan Matson with thankyougeorge.com and the past president of the official Star Wars fan club. You're listening to Star Wars Han Direct. That perfect. is perfect. Thank you very much for being with us. Well, uh, I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody will spread the word and let people know that they can uh, share their stories on uh, thankyougeorge.com. They don't have to buy a doggone thing. They can just come and share their stories there, and that's what we hope people will do. And um, uh, I really appreciate you guys giving me the chance to, uh, to share some of my past experiences with all of these great franchises. 
It's, no problem. It's been an honor. Stay with us on the line. Of course, we invite everybody to go check out the website, www.thankyougeorge.com, and sign the letter. It's not going to take long, about five minutes of your day, and uh, you're going to be able to uh, get your thank you up to the big man. So we're going to go on to a short... We're going to go on to a short sponsor break, and we'll be right back to Star Wars Undirect, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come by Federation Toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction. Guaranteed. Yes, Viceroy. Roger, Roger. All Star Wars and Direct listeners will get a 5% discount on their purchases. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by your team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Back to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom, and Brian's gonna let us know who's in the chat right now. So yeah, Bloodcat, Dark Jedi, Dixie, Castra, Iwakura, uh, Leandar, Nick, Stanson, and THX 1139. Stanson was actually from Australia. Hey, that's cool. It's like 10, from down 10 down a.m. down down there. Awesome. All right. We're a morning show, guys. <laughs> hey. Good morning, Star Wars fan. You're listening to Star Wars Under the Voice of Star Wars Fandom. And uh, I just posted a link up in the, the, the chat room just there. It's actually the uh, infamous uh, person from Lucasfilm I was talking about earlier. Uh, of course, it's the one I love to hate and I hate to love. Because <laughs> I got a big crush on her for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, it's Bunny Girl. And uh, she made her own legit thank you list to George. And I think it's, it's worth mentioning during this show. Uh, thanks for hiring me when I'm not even a Uber fan and I spelled Wookiee wrong for the first three months I got the gig. And, of course, thanks for hiring a girl. Thanks for not firing me when I cut in line in front of you in the cafeteria to get a more tartar sauce, then made fun of salad eaters, and then realized you were eating salad. Thanks for letting us have a webcam on the set so we could, have, uh, we could all spy on you as you worked. Thanks for, a sense, for having a sense of humor. Thanks for being a normal guy without, without the I'm the big-time the big director attitude. Thanks for the, the company picnic, the holiday parties, and all the Yoda statues in the courtyard. 
thanks for having us move to the Presidio so I don't have to, to cross the Golden Gate Bridge twice a day anymore. Oh yeah, and thanks for the Star Wars movies, Indian Jones, THX38, like, even Howard the Duck. <laughs> and on that day, she was thankful. So, yeah. I, I don't know. That was Bunny Girls, thank you. So, how did Star Wars influence our lives? Well, basically. Well, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with Nick on that. I think I think everybody else who actually wants to know how Star Wars influenced our lives can go back to Star Wars on Direct Number Five yeah. and listen to it again. That's <laughs> where we ram- do that then first, <laughs> <laughs> so they can so they can hear us ramble on this. But Nick, you weren't at Star Wars on Direct Number Five. Nope. So, what made how did Star Wars influence your life? Well, it was a huge part of my childhood, that's for sure. I still remember watching the original trilogy for the first time. And since then, I mean, the prequels, I was uh, pretty hyped up about them. I'm really disappointed I didn't know you guys back then, but I waited in line for hours, just like pretty much everyone else. And that was a lot of fun, and I got some good memory- memories out of that. Nice. All right. so and that- you were at Celebration 3, so... No, no, he wasn't. No, he no. wasn't at C three. No, he wasn't. Yeah, that was the other Nick. It's yeah, the, the other Nick. Nick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's the Nick from C three. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, the, the Nick from Niagara. Uh, yeah, but really quickly, I guess, because we're gonna have to close the show pretty shortly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're already running over time. Whee! Again. <laughs> oh, really? You said an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah I said about We've got six minutes. minutes left. So, Brian, um, we can can go well, quickly. A bit. I couldn't meet you guys. I, I would have met Nick's. Not as we wouldn't have been as close friends, I think. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> true. But and I met you guys, and I met like a lot of my friends through it. Like it's just helped influence a lot about my life. You can go listen to number five, stars and direct number five. And you can see like when we had. I had like 15 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. Me either. <laughs> I'm sure it's there. It's too long ago. It's there. But <laughs> it's 35 shows ago, yeah. guys. <laughs> I probably said that it influenced me in building a website in French for the French community to make people gather up together and you know, meet up and inspired me to go to Star Wars website in English when I... I learned about Jedi Talk. I listened to it. I, I did want to do the same thing for uh, the French community. French community. I did Star Wars under it in French, and after a while, I did this show. Right now, like you said, we're at the 40th show. Yep, so yep. It's going fast. <laughs> it's moving up really fast. It's going to move up like faster now that yeah. we're every week. But the big turning point for me was uh, the like the the new era of expanded universe in 1991 when Tim Zahn brought his Tron trilogy that was a big spark upward because I was like the the dark years I was completely off Star Wars I didn't have anything left from my childhood uh, except like maybe one book all my figures were Given away to my little cousins and everything. I would have appreciated those figures because I had none. <laughs> I wanted a Luke Skywalker. Man, my mom looked for them. They were nowhere to be found. Me and my brother had everything. Oh, you're a bastard. <laughs> I had nothing. Well, me personally, it was basically high school years. I was the Uber geek, and I. <laughs> Uber geek. You, you were the Uber geek. <laughs> I, 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 I 
couldn't have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically rejected all the class and everything, and I started re- reading Tim Zahn's novel, and uh, I moved on with Alan Dean Foster's and everyone else, and uh, I really got into the Star Wars universe, and it, just like Dan said, it actually gave focus to my life, and... Uh, it made me uh, the person I am today, trying to be a Jedi every day. Yeah, for myself, it, it wasn't a, a focus, like, it wasn't something mental, it was a hobby. It yeah. ne- it ne- I don't remember it never being, crossed a, the line. being an influence <laughs> in my life, except uh, maybe playing with with Star Wars stories. I don't, I don't know how can this develop my, <laughs> you know, my... Conscience, 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 you know. Your brain or I, I, I was probably too young, to, you know, to understand everything when it yeah. came out. So, no, that's right. It was just like, oh, Luke Skywalker's going to escape from Vader. It was entertainment for me at that time. That's okay. No? But w- w- with reading and re- you know, listening to the movies in their original form, you know, with the in in English. Since when I was young, I didn't understand. A thing of English, so yeah. I saw the original in French, but now that I understand English, I and I'm I have grown, so I understand more the all the ideas behind, behind the movie. So and change rates and stuff like that because in French, actually, yeah, it's in French he gets more. Yeah, or it's, no, in French he gets less. Han Solo gets less money in French. Yeah. For taxiing Obi Wan and Luke and the, and to, the Alderaan, droids, yeah. to Alderaan, yeah, to Alderaan, yeah. only even the numbers are, are not the same. Imagine that. That's right. So the Frank seventeen thousand instead of twenty-two thousand. Yeah, Jeez, he gets ripped off. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, apparently there is an official MSN wink for Messenger Star Wars, and uh, it's Darth Vader winking. Uh, a fan just sent an me official? That. Yeah, it's it's official. Uh, a fan just just sent me that, and you can actually buy it online. I can buy it, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna buy it. Jeez. And apparently, you have to have like a flash version or something installed, and probably the latest version of MSN, mm. which I don't have. Yes, MSN seven point okay. because it's not in the free list of emoticons. No, that's it's it's not, it's not in the free li- free list of, uh, of winks. I thought some I think somebody actually played uh, paid for that. So anyhow, no, I don't want to restart my computer now. I'm being kissed now. With <laughs> that sound, cheesy. Why? Why do you have? Why do you put up with having a PC? Jeez, get all these weird pop-ups. And <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that was Microsoft website. Exactly. Yeah, but. Uh, if George hadn't made the Star Wars movies, and if I hadn't known about how George started up with basically ping pong tables in a parking lot to do the, that Star Trench, I don't think I'd ever would have actually appreciated Star Wars as much as I did. Yeah, the documentary uh, Empire... Uh, Empire of a Dream? Yeah. yeah, Empire of a Dream really, like... Opened up our open, eyes. Yeah, opened up my eyes. I didn't... Yeah. No. I knew, I knew uh, he was like basically nothing when he began, and mm-hmm. he, he became like such a big shot now. But that documentary is one of the mo- one of the things I watched actually more than DVDs up to this day still. So it's I'm really happy. Thank you, George. <laughs> that, that's the best we can do is thank you, George. And uh, yes, I've signed thankyougeorge.com petition, 
and uh, feel free to do so, and feel free to join their boards when they get some. It's there you go. There you go. Just to answer Ikashro, who said what I'm going to play right now. Nope. Watch out. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> There you go. Oh, just for Ikashro. Folks in the chat room are actually quoting movies, and somebody <laughs> quoted Aliens. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you brought the, the rat of Danny on you. <laughs> Aliens were your favorite movies? Yeah. Oh, I love Aliens. I the, don't second like the, one, the second yeah. one. Yes, the second one. I, I, lo I, love me, I, I love military movies, so it's like sci-fi with military. That's it. And it's like well, it's, it's, it's alien aliens. better than Alien, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Eighth Passenger. <laughs> And let's not start about Alien 3. No. And let's not even go to Alien 4. <laughs> yeah. Ever. MVP. It never happened. <laughs> MVP was good. MVP was really bad. Entertainment. And, really fun. And the Predator wins. <laughs> That was really crappy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, exactly. I've fun. seen a lot of movies. <laughs> yes, you have. Because you work in a video store. Yeah. That you're, our, you're our own version of Randall from Clerks. Well, I'm not that bad yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> not <it>. yet. <laughs> not yet, yeah. And Give I'm it another tip. year or so. Maybe yeah. two. Okay. So, basically, um, that, that, that's it for the show. It's so, wow. Okay, <laughs> it just happened like that. The next show is going to be on June 7, 2005. Next week. It's next week, for those of you who are wondering about this. And uh, I'm not even sure what we're going to be talking about yet. No, not yet. It's just coming way too fast. But uh, we, we need to get used to it. That's it. At least it, it's the summer schedule. So yeah, we'll but see. we're, we're going we're gonna to have, we're going to come up with something. I got an idea that I'm going to mention off the air. So, yeah. I can tell you right now that uh, both, Lucasfilm and Gen Con have declined our invitation to talk about Star Wars Celebration 3. Uh, it's something we regret very much, but we accept their decision. I mean, it's okay for them to do it's so. It's their business. Yes. So, just a little reminder that there were two, uh, 32,000 fans who attended Celebration 3. Yes. So I was one of them. And we were three of them. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Nick. I wasn't there. <laughs> Not I. And uh, it, was, it was a really great show. So, hopefully... Nobody will get their heads cut off. Now, if you have any comments on the show or that you would like to make suggestions for upcoming subjects, please send an email to studio at swendirect.com to be a partner or, or, or a sponsor. Yeah, you got to redo those last minute. Oh, <laughs> to be a partner or a sponsor, send an email to info at swendirect.com. If you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself. Word to mouth is the best publicity that we can have by our listeners. Bring a friend to the next show. Add our URL to your message board signatures. Do anything you can to pass the word around. And, of course, don't forget to go sign the uh, thankyougeorge.com note. And here's a little thank you for little sponsors, sitland.net, Federation Toys. Giving all you guys 5% rebate to Star Wars on direct listeners. That's right. Our web host, of course, simple-net.ca. Our partners, hannikinandhisangel.com, nerf-herder-anonymous.net, the largest collection of Star Wars reference and actors, the fanfictions, SW Redemption, found at swredemption.com, furryconflict.com, Trek Wars, the furry conflict audio drama, Millennium Falcon, of course, Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target, T-Bone Star Wars Universe, and the Galactic Senate message board, Available at Star Wars with a Z 
StarWarsFanOdio.com. And of course, StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio. All links are available in the partner section of our website, so feel free to visit it. Feel free to listen to our archives. As we mentioned, Star Wars Network number 5 for our uh, What Star Wars Did in Our Life. And for all the crew here at Star Wars on Direct, this is Sebastian saying you. See you next time on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. This show has been brought to you by SimpleNet. Webmasters, online gamers, or administrators of e-business. At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs. You were listening to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. sure to visit www.swanzerek.com for more information about upcoming shows. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars fan audio on the internet. It's your home for Star Wars fan audio genre news, 